Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my talk about the raid loot in the Destiny 2 Beyond Light raid, the Deepstone Crypt. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the podcast platforms, Monday through Friday, you can catch me live at SNTRlive.com. That'll bring you to the YouTube channel. If you'd like to go to a central hub for all my content, go to SNTRnetwork.com. You can actually make a login there, and we have community Q&A. It's basically a forum for those of you that can't be here for the live discussion in Q&A. You may get featured in a Q&A segment if you go there and get an upvoted uh, question. So, the raid loot, I wanted to wait a little bit before I did this video. I wanted a chance to kind of get all of the guns and get a look at them and get a feel for them and I actually had pretty decent luck. I missed the second week because uh, I was in the hospital, but uh, now that I've had a chance to kind of get all the guns, look at all of them, look at all the potential drops and potential uh, perk combinations, I wanted to make this video. So we're going to talk about the guns, we're going to talk about the armor, and we're going to talk about the loot pursuit, like the new way that we go for the loot pursuit. Now, before we talk about the guns, I do want to say, I don't think we're quite there yet. Some of this is going to be positive, but I don't want people to think that I've kind of just like, overlooked the fact that a lot of these weapons are not really at the tier or the level that we were hoping for. We were sort of promised this idea that they wanted to make more guns like Recluse really stand out, really, really amazing. And while these guns are better than others in their slot, there's a handful of reasons why it's a little bit unfair of a comparison. Number one, there's a lot of vacancy in the loot pool right now for endgame viability. And number two... Uh, these are better by not a significant margin. I don't think the margin's quite big enough yet. I think there's more to be done in the way uh, of, of, of making these guns kind of stand out. Even if it's just an extra mod slot, I still think there could be something done to make these look and feel a little bit better than they are. But I do really, really like them. First and foremost, the raid aesthetics, they're always really, really strong, and these guns actually look and feel really, really good. I don't just like the way they look when I'm in the menu. I love using them. The the, the sights on them, uh, the way they take shaders, they just feel nice uh, to, to be used as weapons. And that's obviously something that you want to see. You want to see raid weapons that stand out from an aesthetic standpoint. I mean, one of the greatest things about the King's Fall raid was what the weapon weapons looked like even though the weapons were not all that amazing there was a couple that were worth using but the most of them were not that good now the three perks that are unique to raid weapons i have listed here and these are obviously getting a lot of attention one of the three isn't really going to get a lot of attention probably until some folks experiment with things inside of slower more strategic content like the grandmaster uh, nightfalls but Recombination, elemental final blows increase the damage of this weapon's next shot. So this is something you you know you obviously could try and use on something like a sniper or a shotgun. You kind of bust, uh, you get you get the elemental final blow, and then you kind of bank it. Actually, that that's not going to do much for you on on the sniper and the shotgun because they're kinetic. So recombination, I'm not actually sure how that works um, on on those weapons but uh that that's the first they're all re uh re perks recombination reconstruction and redirection so reconstruction this weapon slowly reloads itself over time up to double capacity that's actually become my favorite perk out of the bunch uh it's better than auto loading 
Uh, I love it on the shotgun. I basically have the shotgun tucked away and I pull it out and that thing always has a junk ton of ammo and it's ready to rock and roll. I love pairing it with the hand cannon. 180s feel really, really good right now. So it's a really, really solid uh, combination to have those two together. And your shotgun is, like I said, it's like a better version of auto-loading because, you know, I pull the thing out a lot of times it has 14 rounds in the mag. Redirection is a damaging rank-and-file combatants increases damage against more powerful ones. Now, one of the reasons this is actually a nice perk is it doesn't consume it until you shoot the uh, the more powerful ranked enemies. As far as I can tell, it kind of sticks around. I don't know what the t- if there is a timer on it. I was using it earlier, and it's stacked up to 15, maybe 20. I think it consumes like five at a time or something. And it seems like that would start to potentially have... Uh, a, a perk a perk purpose I, I guess you could call it in harder content like a Grandmaster Nightfall where you could be stacking up redirection on the rank and files and then maybe uh, getting that increased damage on something that is considered a quote unquote more powerful enemy uh, not quite sure how they always use this it felt like earlier it consumed the stack uh, it consumed the redirection stack on a servitor and I was in the public space and I'm pretty sure the servitor was a red bar. So I'm not too sure exactly how that one, you know, works every single time. But the idea here is, is that they put unique perks on the guns that you can only get in the raid. So that gets a check mark in my book that helps these weapons stand out. That that's something that we were asking for. Like when we always reference the Genesis chain with focus firefly, give me something that I can't get anywhere else. So they have achieved that goal. Uh, as far as distribution of the actual weapon breakdown, this is better than garden because there's two energy primaries, then there's the two kinetic secondaries, and then there's the two heavies, the machine gun and the sword, and then your kinetics are sniper, shotgun, and your energy primaries are hand cannon scout. Now, what I would love to see is I would love to see these weapon, uh, this weapon pool uh, increased and have more added uh, in the coming seasons, especially when we get to the end of the video when we talk about the new way that we pursue the loot. I think there's plenty of room for them to add the other archetypes or the missing archetypes uh, that are presently missing. And I don't think there's, I don't, I don't necessarily think I'm asking too much there. If you do, you know, one or two weapons in each slot every season. You know, that's only about, we could say three weapons a season. I think that'd be pretty cool. So over the next three seasons, they would be adding nine raid weapons so that by the time you get to the end of this year, you would have sort of a staggered raid pool that not all of it's going to get sunset at the exact same time. I really still think they need to consider doing that as opposed to having just six weapons and then that's the end of the matter. I would say as the seasons roll out, start adding more weapons. You've equipped us with the ability to target certain weapons so if you missed out on the hand cannon or you missed out on the shotgun they would still be available and still uh, able to be pursued with the currency as far as the armor goes I think again much like the guns the armor looks and feels really really awesome really curious uh, when they when they decide to introduce transmog are there going to be separate rules or you know achievements to transmog raid armor 
or is it going to be as simple as get it one time and then that's all you need to do then you do the in-game effort or the silver to convert it into an ornament a universal armor ornament we're not sure what their plans are with armor but the armor does look uh, really really nice the extra mod slot on the raid armor is a nice addition if you want to use the raid armor mods Uh, currently my main criticism of that is that without a hard mode most of us are looking at those mods and just kind of shrugging at them and saying you don't really need them they're not going to make that much of a difference Uh, the actual raid itself once contest is off is sort of like a eh if you're maybe a weaker player or a weaker team I'm not saying that in a mean way maybe you're a little bit of a weaker player or team uh, you may find those mods to be helpful with some of the perks and benefits they offer however I really really think when you look at those raid mods and that extra slot it really really begs for a hard mode to be added uh, to the raid and the stat rolls are kind of all over the place. Uh, I've gotten the highest stat results from the in-between chests, which is really, really odd, while the 20 crates seem to have more consistently low stats. Uh, whenever I get drops from the actual chest of the encounter, or others have said when they use the, you know, use the 20 spoils of conquest, they're getting lower stats. My best stat rolls on armor have been from those little in-between chests, which is really strange. The same thing happened in the Last Wish raid, when we ran it as a practice uh, the armor that dropped from the encounter was in the 50s and then I got like a 63 or a 64 or something in the in between I'm not really sure why they're doing that you would think that the stat rolls would be better when you're spending currency and then it'd be pure random everywhere else but the propensity of the in between chest seeming uh, seeming to be higher um, is is odd. I, I've had that experience over the years. Even in Garden of Salvation, I had the exact same experience. The in-between chests, for some reason, seem to have a more consistent stat drop. Uh, lastly, let's talk about loot pursuit. This is something we should be throwing confetti in the air for and, and booting up the bands to play a bunch of celebration music. The way they introduce how to pursue loot after the character completions are done each week is exactly what we've been asking for. It is a one-to-one of what I suggested. Take the currency system from Wrath, require me to do one full completion, and then that's one extra drop. They literally did that in uh, its verbatim how they set it up, and then they went one step further with the 60 with the 60 currency chests giving you the option to narrow what gets dropped and to kind of and to kind of pad it out um I'm not really sure once you have the complete set why you would do that, why you would go for those chests other than I guess maybe they have the higher stat uh, propensities, but on the weapons themselves, there doesn't I don't really understand why you would do it for the weapons. Maybe somebody in chat can explain that to me. I still can't quite figure out why I would spend the 60 once I have all of the uh, all of the guns, uh, the loot pool the loot pool control they borrowed from the prophecy dungeon, along with the wrath of the machine currency idea, is precisely what raids have needed. We actually have been saying, give us a raid NPC, and this little chest at the end of the raid actually. Um, it actually feels like they've done exactly what we were kind of wanting. Now, since we don't have a raid NPC. Um, or a hard mode, I still think there's room for improvement uh, as well as staggered raid relevancy throughout the year. There is still room for improvement. Uh, you cannot open the 60 crates once you fill out the encounter's loot. 
So the only reason those exist is to pad out and, and, to, and to fill out your loot pool. So after that, you're spending 20 for extra chances. Okay, well that I think is totally fine. Uh, they also cap that currency at a certain number. So I know folks are thinking, oh, I'm going to save up a bunch for the next raid once I have everything I need. Well, I mean, you know, at 60 for the for the good chests to fill out your loot pool, that's only four of those chests if you're, if you're holding the 240 going into Witch Queen. So... I give this two thumbs up with like a memo attached. It's like, hey, good job. Here's a memo. You guys didn't quite go far enough. We want to see more improvement done. I still think a hard mode with maybe at least just more currency, always giving us maybe the option of turning on contest modifier would be a good option there, as well as staggering the relevancy so every season you could add more to the gun pool, maybe add armor ornaments throughout those seasons as well, because with this end game sort of loot pursuit cash system with the currency, I think there's plenty of room to get a lot more relevancy out of the raid than just that initial season and expansion that it lands in, especially considering they're only doing one raid every year. So we're going to transition to Q&A. If you're listening to this elsewhere, come catch me live at sntrlive.com. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session that followed my talk about the Beyond Light raid loot. If you're listening to this on any of the podcast platforms, you can always watch me live at sntrlive.com. If you'd love to be a part of Q&A but you can't make the live shows, be sure to go to sntrnetwork.com and create a login. sntrnetwork.com, you create a login, click on members, and you have a community Q&A there that we may start rolling into this segment as a way to let the people who can't necessarily make it to the live shows be involved in discussions, Q&A, and back and forth. So, let's jump right into the questions. First one from Torchwood. Should Bungie implement a protection to avoid receiving the same item twice or more in a row? Third raid I ran, I got three boats, boots in a row, as did several of her teammates. Uh, since each encounter loot pool is divided, make sure no two encounters have the same loot pool or overlapping items. Well, one of the reasons I'm going to shoot you down on this is because we're not in the same system that we used to be. We're not. We were having a discussion literally right before I clicked record on this segment, and essentially what I was saying is they've given you so much control over your loot pursuit in this raid i don't think they need to protect you from you know getting too many boots or something uh we're only three weeks in and the fact that you can basically try to push against bad rng by saving up spoils of conquest and buying those chests to fill out all the loot vacancies that you've had i don't think they need to protect you any more than they already have given you a a, a mechanism in order to protect against really bad rng you're asking for two things at the same time. Uh, the, the fact that you can end a bunch of runs throughout the week and be like, all right, I got a lot of boots. Let me try and open one of these chests and get the helmet. Or let me try and open one of these these chests and, and, get, the, uh, and get the arms or whatever, the gauntlets. The fact that they give you that as an option, I actually think they've moved close enough to us as a player base. And they, if they come any closer, it's going to be like, a month in, you're going to have everything that you want. You're kind of done. Um, and so you, you, I would, I would imagine uh, the reason that this is good is there's a couple of reasons. Number one, having items that elude you is good, especially if along the way you're getting items to use 
and enjoy. An example I would give you is the raid weapons themselves. If you've gotten a handful of them and you want to try them out and use them, or maybe you want to try some of the raid mods, you're in a position to do that while also chasing the missing pieces that you presently don't have. As opposed to being two or three weeks in and being like, I have all the full armor sets, I have all the god rolls that I want, I'm kind of done. That's not, I don't think, a, that, I don't think that's an ideal scenario. There's this delicate balance of giving the, 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 the player control and agency over their loot experience, but not so much as that it cannibalizes longevity and relevancy. There has to be a balance. You have to hold two things in your hand. Number one, you got to hold in your hand, give the player some intentionality and control over what they want. And number two, be withholding of certain items so they keep playing. Both those things have to kind of coexist, I think, for a happy marriage uh, in in the game. And and, and Eugene is saying, I can't believe people play this game to pursue, collect their roles, and then they're done. Everyone plays the game differently. There are definitely people who, as soon as they got their Ikelos shotgun, they stopped playing Escalation Protocol. They're like, what's the point now? There, there, are, there are a lot of us. I'm one of these people, by the way. Once I feel like I've squeezed that content dry of the loot that I wanted out of it, I don't really go back. You know, Black Armory. Think about that. Doing the forges. Once I got the god rolls that I wanted, I wasn't like, dude, sign me up. I'm going to go run some more forges. Now... I, I did take the weapons into content and enjoy them and you know strikes and you know nightfalls or public events or raids I, I, I definitely left the forges and went and did something else I didn't like put the game down but I definitely think there's an element of you you do need to empower the player to get what they want while also telling the player no sometimes nope it's been a month and you still just haven't managed to snag a helmet you know um, I got three arms and two chest pieces on my last character. Armor is so disproportionate. Uh, I also claimed like four caches on security and still only got the armor. It's insane. If I get a cache, I should be protected from armor if I've gotten it from the encounter. That's one-fourth of the cost of the raid exotic uh, from the kiosk. Again, again, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. You're getting ahead of yourself. You want this raid to last more than three weeks, and that's one of the ways that it's going to last is you're going to go into the second month and still have items on your checklist that you have not yet gotten. If there's anything Bungie needs to be cautious of, it's overshooting on this. If they overshoot and they give you too much control, too much intentionality, and RNG protection, it's going to cannibalize raid longevity and relevancy, and... You know, the the idea that you're going to go into the second month and still have things to chase in there, I would actually argue is a good thing, not a bad thing. Um, you just, you need to be careful, I think. I would much rather them have, I would much rather have Bungie play it safe, kind of undershoot, give us some control, give us some intentionality and some currency. We now, for the first time in Destiny 2, have a reason to run raids beyond just three times a week. So let's just all kind of, you know, take a step back and understand you are in more control of your raid loot pursuit than you have ever been in the history of the franchise. Like, really zoom out just a little bit, okay? This is more raid loot control and intentionality than we 
even had in Wrath of the Machine. And I don't. We need to stop, I think, and just take a breath and say, you know what? Let's just see how this plays out in a couple of months. We just got our hands on this system, and we've never had this level of control over the raid loot pool. And if they overshoot, they and they have to take it back. It'll feel like when they when they patch the menagerie glitch, right? When they patch the menagerie glitch. Everybody thought Menagerie wasn't worth running anymore. And if they suddenly, if raids were far too generous and way too much player agency and intentionality, and then they had to dial it back, that would be upsetting for the player pool. It'd be upsetting for the player base to be like, oh man, it was so much better before you guys did this. So I actually think they made a very good decision. It's right down the middle. It's in a nice safe place where you have control and choice, but not too much. And I I actually think they landed in a really, really nice spot. I think we are just in that mode of... I think there's two modes of the Destiny... uh, The more committed Destiny players have two modes. Consume and Coast. And when you're in Consume mode, you get... You can't stand the idea that, like, I can't get the thing that I want. I can't get the thing that I want. Um, And when you're in Consume mode, that tends to be all you focus on. And we consume, 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 and then we get everything, and then we coast. And if consume lasts a little bit longer, I actually think that's better for you because you, you're going to have that, as Christine, Christine is saying, you're going to have that carrot in month two that wouldn't be there if they gave you a little bit too much agency and control. Uh, it, it's, you you got to be slightly protected from yourself, I do think. RNG is a massive part of the game. People uh, are now just wanting to order exactly what they want. Right. We consume. I think sometimes consume mode clouds your sort of judgment um, as to what's probably best for your experience as opposed to saying, you know what? I'll give you an example. Whenever I'm chasing a roll on a weapon, when I was chasing the Imago loop, there was a bittersweet moment. When I finally got the roll that I was looking for, it was kind of bittersweet because it's like, well, the grind is over now, right? The carrot for month two is going to be challenges. RNG isn't a challenge. It's just a false barrier. Um, I shouldn't be getting five armor pieces in a raid run. I don't know if I can agree with you. I don't. Now, Greg, I would agree with you if the system didn't exist that they've implemented with the Spoils of Conquest. I think Spoils of Conquest is why I'm pushing back on what you're saying, because they have to be careful. They've given you a new tool, and if they give you a tool while also giving you a safety net, I, I, I think that the, the, the raid would, would sputter out very quickly for a lot of us. Um... Somebody said something about uh, raid longevity. Why does it matter? Here we go. Why do raids need longevity? They don't have to worry about matchmaking, so it doesn't matter if you can get everything in a few weeks. I don't know what you mean by that. I think raid longevity is important. We only get one per year, and if you squeeze the dadgum thing dry in 30 days, you're going to have less to play and, and less to do. So... There is definitely room to disagree with here. There is. But um, I do think, historically speaking, you have to look at how much control they've given you and understand that there's a big danger of giving you too much. I agree that spoils helps fix what Greg is saying, but only if you have the weapons unlocked. There is still the aspect of RNG which can screw someone. You have to understand something. RNG 
will do that. It just will, right? It's like when you go on those water rides at those amusement parks, somebody is going to get drenched and sometimes you don't at all, right? The RNG of the water ride, you know, when you get on the water ride, you might get absolutely drenched as if someone dunked you in a pool and you might skate through totally dry. RNG, when you play a game with RNG, sometimes you're gonna get drenched. You're gonna get four pairs of boots in a row. You just are. Like, that's just the nature of a loot pursuit that has RNG attached to it. You kind of have to accept that. And you also have to accept the fact that the elation of finally getting what you want is 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 married to not getting what you want. Me finally getting the Imago loop that I wanted only felt the way that it felt and it's only a memory because I wasn't getting it does that make sense when everything's transactional when everything's padded and protects you from from a bad experience everything becomes gray you have to have light and dark light cannot exist without the dark right you have to have bad RNG for the good RNG to feel good you have to have bleh perks and bleh, not so good perks for the good perks to stand out if you homogenize the rng experience and the perk system everything becomes gray and there aren't high moments and low moments you you need both from a psychological standpoint they they can't make you feel as if it's always sort of you're always kind of getting what you want and there's never those moments of like are you freaking kidding me like as it's weird to say this because I will do that. I will be in an encounter. I will be in a raid. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Another piece of armor? I need that experience. Else it'll all start feeling the same. It'll all be like, yep, I just keep kind of getting what I need or I'm kind of protected from those bad experiences and the bad luck. The bad luck makes the good luck feel even better. As Samwise Gamgee tells Frodo, Right? Shadow's a passing thing and the sun will shine out the clearer, right? The dark times in your RNG make the bright times seem brighter. I I think that's just the basics of the experience in a game like this. And we're going to rant and we're going to rave and we're going to get ticked and then we're going to be super excited when we finally get the drop we've been looking for, right? Now, that doesn't mean you should have to raid 57 times before you get your anarchy or 74 times before you get your 1,000 voices. I do think there is a breaking point. I think the rubber band stretches so far and snaps. I I, I don't think you can be too withhold. You, you can be too withholding to the point that someone's like, and they get tired of it. And they're like, this is stupid. It's been two months, three months, whatever, and I can't get this dumb exotic to drop. There, I do think there's a breaking point and a player... A player disappointment tolerance meter that just gets too full sometimes and I I don't think that that can be ignored but I also think we're three weeks in and have more control over our raid loot than we've ever had in the history of the Destiny franchise we have never had this level of control over our raid loot you can just keep going and keep trying you can just keep getting the the, the spoils of conquest and keep hoping for that helmet to drop you could never ever ever do this before ever so so celebrate what we've been given and accept that it's it's not going to be exactly how you want it with respect to loot delivery you're going to have those disappointing moments that's a long answer to question number one but that's i think that's a good discussion to have ganks 
This is more of a weapon loot in general question. It seems Bungie is drastically reducing the amount of damage-based perks on new weapons. Do you think this is their new way of balancing the meta and forcing us to focus more on utility? Well, I mean, a Rampage Feeding Frenzy still feels great. I got the 180 hand cannon from the raid with, you know, Rampage Feeding Frenzy, and it really feels awesome. Uh, but so do the utility perks. And the utility perks pair really, really well with people who want high uptime on melee grenades for their stasis builds. So I think they made the right choice of giving us an option and a choice between utility and damage. I don't necessarily think this is their way of balancing the meta. I think it's their way of saying you've got the blunt force object and you got the more finessed object. So the blunt force object is it reloads quicker and does more damage. Like that's just basic blunt just yep the guns the gun does more damage and reloads quicker because you're pulling the trigger congratulations i like the idea of perks like one for all on the fusion where you if you make um if you make the right decisions it's really good you shoot two enemies and shoot the third and now you get like a nine second damage buff like that is a uh, not just a damage perk, but it's a combat decision to feed the damage perk, right? So, not only do I think they need to lean more toward utility, but if you're going to give me a benefit, make me work for it, I guess. But sometimes I think you can strain it to the point of absurdity. I do think that one for all on a hand cannon's kind of stupid. I got to shoot three enemies to get the perk now if there's a lot of enemies in an area the idea would be hopefully that you get the rapid hits on three different trash ads in a row and now you have a nine second buff now you can't replenish it but again um that's where it could be you know potentially beneficial but again the idea being i would love to see them lean far more toward elemental perks and utility perks suppression blinding things related to my ability energy my super energy uh, things related to um, crowd control. I, these, I think, are far more interesting than, oh, the gun's damage numbers go up. Good job. So, like, the trash ad dies a little bit faster. Like, I, that's just, I'm sick of that. Even though it feels, like, like, listen, the gun feels good, but the, some of us want a little bit more involved in our combat decisions and our and our perks that we decide to outfit ourselves with. Uh, and it, I think it would be nice if they continued down this road throughout this year, every season, maybe adding a few more. You've got surplus, wellspring, one for all, recombination, reconstruction, redirection. Uh, you know, keep doing that. Keep doing that. Shove Rampage and Swashbuckler and Feeding Frenzy and Outlaw. Shove them right off the loot pool of perks so that we don't even think about it anymore. Um, you know, you got Killing Wind, you got Unrelenting, you got the one, actually, the one that I think some people may be sleeping on that could make you have to, you could lean away from auto-loading is the one that you can get uh, something symmetry or whatever, where you get a kill and it reloads your stowed weapons. That's actually really, really nice on a primary if you've got some secondaries or heavies that you don't want to, you don't have to use auto-loading anymore. It basically... Uh, it basically relieves you from feeling the need to lean on auto-loading because auto-loading is really, really good on, on, on certain um, enemy, uh, certain weapon types. 
It's really, really nice. Sorry, uh, Sympathetic Arsenal. I think Sympathetic Arsenal is nice because it gives you that loadout freedom. It's not amazing. It's not amazing. However, I really like it on the bow. It's great on a bow because it procs constantly. And if I have a really good shotgun or a machine gun and I'm like, oh man, this is a great roll, but it doesn't have auto-loading, pair that up with Sympathetic Arsenal. So they are starting to give you decisions you can make within the perks and the loadouts to have more complementary relationships between them. I want to see more of that. That, I think, would be really, really good. Um, There could be something to where... Remember how the Wendigo stacked up the... uh, the I forget what it was called the light or whatever you pick up the orbs and then the Wendigo got like the increased damage I would love to see some of the weaker heavy weapons benefit from guns potentially that can feed them so give me a primary weapon and give me a perk that says rapid kills overload and overpower your machine gun mag okay So if I'm being good to get my rapid kills, I know that when damage phase comes around, my machine gun is suddenly superior than it would be otherwise. Do you see what I'm doing? I'm creating weapon synergies between them as well as combat decisions that influence the viability of a weapon. Now you might be like, well, that's stupid. I don't like machine guns. I don't like rocket launchers. Well, then that perk wouldn't matter to you. But to somebody who really, really likes machine guns, you would want to get that. Like, dude, 180s or auto rifles are great for rapid kills. Let me get cert- let me get uh, on auto rifles. I actually really, really like. Um, oh my gosh, what's the one that I like? It's the one where every kill refills it or whatever. I always, I, I, I the name just went out of my brain. But you would get that, and then you could get this other perk that it's like rapid kills, overload, and overcharge a portion of your machine gun magazine, right? So what you're doing is you're creating a synergy between auto rifles and machine guns, right? You're creating subsistence, thank you. So you'd run subsistence and you'd and you'd run you'd run rapid recharge. And rapid recharge would would overload or overpower a portion of the machine gun's mag every time you get a rapid kill. So you'd use that auto rifle and you go and it has this feel of like you're the terminator, right? You're using a rapid fire weapon, you switch to your machine gun, and now suddenly it has a viable damage output for a boss instead of feeling like a, a machine gun's great for ads. Do you see what I'm saying? That would also be good for maybe a Grandmaster Nightfall or something. So it'd be cool to create synergies. Imagine a scout doing the same thing, but for linear fusions, right? If you get um, rapid crit kills with a scout rifle, it overcharges linear fusions. Well, why? Well, see what you're doing? You're pairing precision weapons together so your loadout has a theme and your loadout has combat decisions you can make and suddenly linear fusions are really good for damage if used properly with this synergistic perk system that I'm talking about. Again, what I'm doing right now, yes, it's a damage perk, but it's more about the usage and the utility of it feeding something else as opposed to just being like well the weapon gets stronger every time you shoot an enemy right 
that would that would that would be something you'd pursue you'd have a particular loadout you're like well this boss it's actually really good to use distance weapons on him so i'm gonna do that you know you could pair you could do you know shotguns and swords hand cannons and swords uh because that's usually the you have the rough and tumble close quarters build and then you have the precision build and then you have the rapid fire build so the rapid fire weapons and the rapid fire archetypes are all helping each other if used properly there's a lot i think there's a lot of potential there um and that also means you don't go into an encounter and you're like, yeah, just run Lament, just run Zeno. You'd be like, actually, if you uh, if you run this certain build, Zeno is actually stronger than he used to be. Or a legendary machine gun's really, really strong. You know, um, suddenly, you know, suddenly, uh, well, I guess Huckleberry doesn't doesn't wouldn't be able to do it because you need to you know go for a random roll legendary. But I just came up with these just now as in my mind another way. Um, to deepen the perk pool and the perk pursuit so that you're not constantly doing the, you know, well, what makes this gun better? Oh, just shoot the enemies and it gets stronger every time you get a kill, you know? Techno, do you feel that this raid gear has the possibility to give us our D2 Fatebringer? I feel most of this gear is just side grades to the Sunset World loot with different flavors of Overflow Rampage. No, I don't agree with this at all. Um... These are superior perks to other perks that we have now. So, you know, recombination and reconstruction especially. Now, redirection, I think redirection is going to start to get its legs in areas like Grandmaster Nightfalls where you are banking that buff and then and then seeing the benefit when you shoot something that's more powerful and you're like, "Oh wow, this is actually helping with with TTK." on the uh the maybe the, the more tankier the more powerful enemies so i actually don't feel like these are side grades now i will say it's not they didn't go far enough i do think these weapons could have more to them that make them stand out i think one of the easiest things they could have done is a is a raid mod slot and there could have been raid mods for raid guns now again just like the armor mods and the armor mod slot on the raid gear as I said down here in this section I I don't necessarily think a mod system and an extra slot system makes any sense without a hard mode what am I really gearing up for and min-maxing for and, and specking myself out for? As soon as contest modifiers off, it's not, it's not, it doesn't bring that sense of, yeah, dude, you really need these mods. They really make a difference when you have on that suppressor or oppression or whatever freaking augments you're picking up. So I'm going to outfit myself for operator because I, I typically run operator and then I'm going to get mods for operator brother i don't need that come on it's not that difficult now i know again for maybe weaker players or weaker teams those mods might feel like a saving grace but man oh man they are begging for a hard mode in my mind the entire idea of outfitting yourself with raid armor raid mods and if they did the same thing with the guns get raid guns and raid mods you know bringing back the intrinsic you know, perks that we had on Vogue weapons, the Oracle Disruptor, bringing back that feeling. The only reason that traditionally you were doing that is because you knew the Horizon had a hard mode waiting for you. You were gearing up to be better and more efficient in the raid. Wrath of the Machine, holding a charge, you took less damage. You were faster and had more agility when you were holding a Scorch Cannon. You got more heavy to drop when you wore the gauntlets. Like, these are things that you knew 
you were kind of gearing up for the hard mode. So it's a half measure. They've created a depth within the raid loot that is falling on its face because it's like, I don't need any of this. Um, I literally run every single augment with my team, so only being allowed to equip one mod isn't beneficial. Well, John, I, I would say if they came out with a hard mode that was really challenging, you would kind of be foolish to do that. Given that, like, for example, in the final boss fight, the two people in the spawn section, they're in charge of operator because that's where he shows up. The blue section, they're in charge of scanner because that's where he shows up. Everybody pairs off. And if you do that throughout the raid, it makes perfect sense to be like, I'm going to run these mods for operator or scanner or whatever right now you're not doing that because who the frick cares like it doesn't matter but if it got significantly harder and it was really really challenging you might consider being like no we are the operators these mods are really helpful for when i'm the operator you see especially uh the suppressor the suppressor is probably the one who takes the most you know meat-headed approach to what he's supposed to do he's getting shot while trying to do the thing so my again my mindset on this is they give you two benefits when you have on the mod you either get the benefit while you have the augment or while you don't and so it makes perfect sense to be like I'm going to run operator this entire time with Hank over there we both have our mods set for operator and we're interchanging um, the, the you know the operator mods well you're not going to go to that degree of outfitting your character unless there's a pain point and a need and aside from suppressor most of the roles scanner and operator you're like I don't need these freaking mods hard mode would bring that I think that pain point and that's why I call it a half measure. They've created depth within the raid loot pool, which is awesome, but the need and the pain isn't there to push you toward it. Uh, again, other than suppressor, because suppressor is the one that has to be kind of a kind of a uh, a face tank. You know, it's 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 not a fun position to be in. You're you're having to kind of position and make choices based off of where the boss is, um, and I I think that that's 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 a challenge. So. Darksider. The only complaint from me and my clan mates about the raid loot is the distribution of the loot where each encounter has one or two weapons and three to four armor pieces. Do you think this was to promote the spoils of conquest to buy weapons and make leveling easier as pinnacle armor is the main pain point? Well, the thing is, you know, the way they have this set up, again, I think they're 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 wanting to push back on the control they gave you, you know? Again, you can have a role, but you need to be flexible to be a good raider. If people can't adjust, you wipe. Yeah, but that platitude, with respect, that platitude's bankrupt because of revive timer and revive tokens. I'm All six people are generally alive, which means all six people generally hold a position, so it makes sense for two people to be swapping operator or suppressor or scanner. I, I don't need to go get Scanner. Scanner's buddy is alive. If he's dead, what the frick are we doing? You have a rev timer, a res timer, and res tokens. You're not leaving people dead. This isn't D1 hard mode where someone's dead, they're dead. So I, I shouldn't really need to know the other roles and be flexible. Now that doesn't mean I can't pick it up in a, in a moment of crisis and be like, I'll grab Scanner, holy frick. But for the most part, if... 
to push back on what you're saying if you're good at raiding then people shouldn't be dying and losing their augments and creating crisis moments you should be in control of what's going on and passing the one back and forth with be- operator back and forth operator back and forth and then you're good to go you got your operator mods on would you not want to know the roles in cases of emergency are you not listening to anything I just said Yes, but again, a good team is in control and those moments of crisis aren't going to arise all that often. They are anomalous. They are, they're, they're not the normative experience that you're having as a good raid team. Again, you go back and, and, and understand what I'm saying. The only real reason to get that narrow, and I'm going to run operator mods. I'm over here on the right with Steve, and we're both swapping operator. The only reason you're going to do that is if the raid is applying enough pain to motivate you to do it, and presently the raid doesn't do that. So no one's really wanting to run the mods, and we're doing the same thing you're describing. I'll grab it. Who the frick cares? Boom, and I grab a scanner. Oh, it's left one, right two. You know what I'm saying? So like... the the raid isn't applying that pressure you should be going into the raid and saying gee many Christmas man I really want to run these mods it really makes it easier when I'm operator scanner or suppressor and because of that I generally want to be in control of the fact that I'm constantly grabbing operator that doesn't mean I'm narrow and dumb and I'm like what do I do with this scanner dirt 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 like it's, it's that you're creating a context in which you're getting the most benefit out of your raid loot, and presently, the raid doesn't make you feel like you need to do that. I can't imagine anybody getting a full armor set, getting all the mods, specking into Operator and being like, I don't know what to do with Scanner. I What the frick? Huh? What am I doing? Now, Suppressor's a little bit more, like, if you've never done it before, you kind of have to know where to go and where to stand and what to do. Um, so the odds of there being a player that like gets all the mods, gets all the armor pieces, specs into operator and like brain farts on scanners. Like, I have no idea what to do. That's really unlikely. Most people that get to that level are going to probably know what to do. And again, in the crisis moment, they're going to pick it up and be just fine. Again, nine out of 10 raids, you're not going to be in that situation because you're raiding with your buds and your buds are practice and you know where to go and where to stand. And so do they. And you're not going to have those weird moments where you got to pick up the, the augment that you're not specced into. So, um, again, I think the raid needs to press on you to motivate the use of the the mods, which presently uh, isn't happening. You think this is the easiest D2 raid to date? No. No. If this is the easiest D2 raid to date, then more teams would have probably completed it in the first 24 hours some of your 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 world leading teams wouldn't have landed in the 20s and 30s if it was so easy then why did so many front runner teams you know struggle like it's mechanically speaking there there was a lot of pain day one that people were struggling with and uh and and flubbing um the, every raid goes through this process Without fail, the hardcore raiders and the clan and the clan gods and the speedrunners, every time we go through this, oh man, that was tough. Holy moly, good first world first, good day one, blah blah blah. And then in the weeks that follow, this is a joke. So and so soloed, so and so two man, so and so three man. This raid is a joke. Like we go through this every time a raid comes out. Um there were 500 times more teams that did it day one than Crown and Garden. You understand why, right? 
do, do you understand the difference between then and now crown you had six hours to prepare that was stupid and then garden was still suffering from a short shorter window and bad leveling we had more prep time and leveling was better like you could just keep getting drops backfilling was happening more naturally so people that didn't have tokens saved to backfill at a vendor didn't have to they could they I, I was backfilling just playing the game you understand that we're getting disillusioned right we thought day one completions were so crazy and so insane no if people can if people can prepare and level up a ton of people are going to beat the raid like <laughs> like I don't think you can account from it going to 100 teams to 5,000. Oh, yes, I can. Look at the raid completion percentages once contest comes off and you have your answer. People were primarily not beating it day one because of leveling and prep time and deltas. Not because suddenly good raiders who raid all year round are like, I just am not good enough suddenly. No, they have lives and jobs and children and they couldn't go in and play. You, you think it's a coincidence that the minute they instituted contest modifier, all your front-runner, god-tier, belt-bragging teams suddenly can't bag a world's first? It's because there's tons of good players in the community. They're not all-stars. They're as good as anybody else that plays at that level. They only got in on the streaming aspect of it, and everybody thinks they're the best. There are so many players in this game, so many raid teams in this game, and given the opportunity to prep and be at the high levels to go in and play, if they would have done this with every raid to date, I guarantee you a lot of your world's first teams wouldn't have been the world's first team. It would have been somebody else. It would have been somebody benefiting from watching raids and having the the, the stress, the less stress of being in front of an audience. And I'm telling you right now, if raid prep time windows wouldn't have been as absurd some of the times and leveling wouldn't have been as RNG based the entire landscape of world's first teams would be different so many of these teams got world's first because they were going up against almost nobody the, 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 the majority of the player base couldn't put in the hours needed there were people that literally couldn't even attempt last wish day one because they had garbage RNG like I, I, I think everybody's misreading this. I think we've got this idea in our mind that the fact that more people completed it means it's easy when this is the first time in ages there's been a two-week window with significantly better leveling. They hit it from two sides. They gave you a longer window and leveling is significantly better now than it's ever been. So, I, I don't know. The fact that the same percentage of people have done raids over all these years, you you can't ignore that and be like, well, day one, magically all those teams are just bad and they can't get it done and only these all-star streamers can get it done. No, the minute they gave you better leveling, a longer window of time, and they leveled the playing field with contest modifier, all your all-stars can't manage to bag a top 10. Like, what are you talking about? If it was so easy, your all-star teams aren't even bagging a top 10. What? It, it, if it's so easy, then did they suddenly become terrible? Clearly, it was challenging when your favorites don't even get into the top 5 or the top 10. Come on. You can't say it's easy because more people got in. What? Come on. It's, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, So... It, it, it now that we know the mechanics right you know now that now that we know the mechanics sure every raid becomes easier you know uh, every everybody every raid becomes easier once you know the mechanics 
Um, I can say it's easier from comparing the experiences. Again, it's subjective though. There were so many instant white mechanics in this that are that, that people messed up, that people still mess up today. Positioning, juggling different buffs that that can kill you and your entire team. Like it, there, it's if you if you break it down to the mathematics of probability of failure and entire team white mechanics, there's actually quite a few of those in a lot of the encounters. And so I don't know. I you also have to consider. Raids have felt easier and easier and easier over time because of how much knowledge we have and how much we've played and we've just gotten better at the game. P- you know, PC, you've got speed of movement and precision aim that you didn't used to have. And, I, you know, I, th- th- the main reason Last Wish kicked everybody in the nuts is because there was an absurd delta and leveling was terrible. Like, Riven, I will grant you, is the hardest encounter of the entire franchise if you do it legit. Because there's the probability of failure is immense. It's, it's huge, and you got instant wipe mechanics if you shoot the wrong eye. You know you're tracking all these different eyes and numbers and images. There's a lot of moving parts there. But by and large, the main reason that that, that last wish was a, was achieved by almost nobody day one in 24 hours had nothing to do with like those teams were so much better. The majority of the player base wasn't even strong enough to go in there. Are you really better than other teams if the competition field is thinned purely by RNG and time? Well, yep, sorry. If, if you didn't have enough time to play. If there had been another week of prep for Last Wish, it had gone totally differently. You wouldn't have had a 2402. You wouldn't have had only two teams in the 24-hour window. That's not a badge of honor. You could play 16 hours a day in Prime Ingram Farm off stream and, and have a leveling advantage that, that a majority of the player base didn't have. I had hardcore raiders in my community that were like, we couldn't even attempt it. We just had terrible RNG leading up. We didn't have enough time to combat that, and we weren't even strong enough. We just were too low level. That's not why teams should be failing or unable to even attempt it. It should come down to team synergy, team awareness, team skill, depth of gear, strategy, and all of that. And when it comes down to that, I think that when it comes down to that, I think you're going to have more teams completed because there are tons of good raid teams in the community. The actual uh, experience of how dangerous the trash rides are especially felt seem way less than in Crown Garden. Yeah, of course it did. Because when I went in the crown, I was significantly lower level by the time I got to the end. So I was seeing skulls and I was getting hit a lot harder. In this one, I hit the target the target level. And so it was a consistent measure of damage the entire time. Again, the experiences are vastly different. Like... It's, it's, a, it's correlation, not causation. The correlating factor is here, Bungie made it possible for more people to attempt the raid day one by having a two-week prep period and better leveling. So way more people went in. Well, that means way more people are going to get a day one completion. It's not like causation. It's easier so more people beat it. No, you had more people go in. You had more attempts. The quantitative increase is why you have more people beating it. If I open the doors at at 8 o'clock and only 100 people come in, I can't be like, well, you know, it was the sale price. No, if you had waited two hours, you'd add more people. You waited longer, more people lined up, more people came in. Like, it's just basic, like correlation, causation, statistic analysis. Like, th- they let more people prepare. I'm comparing for myself, I was on power for Garden 2. 
I didn't feel like the threat of the garden ads and the threat of these ads was vastly different. Actually, I feel like managing the ads in garden for contest was easier than managing the ads here. I felt, well, some of that's lag, but I felt like the final encounter, I was constantly getting baked by the captains in the ads in this when contest was on. I don't know. So... They ain't seen nothing yet. Just wait for console to get 60 FPS next week. You'll see console rise drastically in survivability with better precision in combat due to better frame rate. Yeah. Um, and we had Recluse in Garden. Yeah. Yeah, Garden was also on a Friday. Yeah. One less day and, you know, I think a Saturday. I think you got more people at home. I think you got more people on a Saturday that can jump in and they gave us a much longer window and leveling is the best that it's ever been. It still isn't great. Leveling still stinks, but I barely paid attention to leveling and I got to 1230. I mean, I, I, my second week, all I was doing was getting infusion fuel. I wasn't leveling my second week of prep. So, uh, I hasn't. Hey, Lono, given that the only unique aspect of the raid weapons are their possible role combinations instead of having intrinsic and utility based benefits that put them atop the loot hierarchy how do you feel about the future of raid weapons in destiny if you go back maybe 10 minutes ago my answer to this is bring an extra mod slot and mods as they've done with the armor and that would get the most traction in the most context and it would feel the best in a hard mode that i think is the answer to uh to your inquiry nova hands do you think the raid loot structure would translate well to other activities like strikes nightfalls etc this is where I want to go back in time and scold myself a little bit. When I wanted Ada's bounty frames, weapon frames everywhere, and then we kind of got that in Season of Dawn, and I was like, whoa, this is too much of a good thing, okay? I think you can't copy pasta every loot system everywhere. There is a great mixture right now. Empire Hunts, Empire Hunt Playlist, uh, the frames from um, Varix, uh, Legendary Lost Sectors, the Wrathborn Hunts, the Lure Charging, the Raid Currency. I actually think we have a really, really good system right now of there is a pathway, but the pathways are not all the same. Um, so... There was more prep time, more people were home due to the situation, and more people off work because of Thanksgiving. It was a perfect storm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, if you think it was easier, you're free to think it was easier, but I, I, I think we're we're looking at completion numbers and drawing false conclusions because, you know, and I know that you're not necessarily defending streamers and taking up for streamers, but I know the streamers that love to hang their hat on being one of the only teams or one of the few teams to beat at day one, they didn't get that experience this time because, again, I think you're being disillusioned. They're great, but there are thousands of other players just as great, if not maybe better. They just don't stream. So, you're you, the the Superman complex is 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 getting you know getting chiseled off a little bit, and the veneer is fading. Um, yeah, that's not even shade. I'm praising the player base. There are really really good players and teams in the player base that don't stream, and you know. They work jobs and they got kids and when they had a larger window and more availability to play and leveling wasn't garbage, suddenly your all-stars are not the only all-stars in the running. You know? So, 
It would like be going. It'll, it would like being going going to a school and being like, well, there's lots of really really fast people in this school, but you only let people compete in some sprinting contest on a Friday afternoon when a bunch of your really fast players have soccer practice and basketball. You'd be like, yep, just these guys are really fast. No, do it on a Saturday when these other people can compete. They're not doing basketball and and soccer. Let them compete. They're not even in the pool. You can't say you're the fastest in the school when half the people that are really, really fast didn't even get to compete, and the same rule applies here. So. There were streamers in the top three? Sure, and that's my point, right? They are great. They are. Here's your, here's your little badge. Here's your little gold sticker. You are great. You are better than me. And there are lots of other people just like you. They just need ample time to prepare. You know? So. Jared. Do you think curated roles or fixed roles should be thrown back into uh, in as a focus in higher tier content? I remember in Last Wish and Black Armory, the god roles were fun to chase and had unique shaders. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, yeah. Curated roles, I think, are good, but also dangerous. And here's what I mean. You can accidentally bring back the static roll sickness, is what I would call it. The static roll sickness, and this is what I mean. Static rolls were a sickness in the game because it turned every loot grind into a binary experience. It's a zero or a one. It's like zero, 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 and then it's finally a one. You're like, I got it, and then you're done. Suddenly, the grind doesn't matter or is non-existent. And the danger with curated roles is you can create a similar sickness. Now, it's not as extreme because all along the way, you can get non-curated roles and they're fun and they're awesome and they're good and maybe your preference drives you away from a curated role. But if curated roles are the god roles, you've snuck back in the static role sickness of once you get the curated role, you're done. You're done. It's got everything it needs. It's got the right masterwork, the right perks, the right this, the right that. It's fully masterwork. Blah. Right? So you got to be careful with curated roles, I think, because of this factor. You suddenly have one role that matters, and the rest of the roles don't. And the danger there is you're communicating something to the player's mind. There's one version of this gun that matters, and you bring back that binary experience of trash, trash, trash here it is i'm done just like didn't get it didn't get it didn't get it i got the igalash shotgun see you later escalation protocol so i'm not saying i'm against curated roles i just feel like they're a gamble i feel like they're they're risky um uh some of their decisions about curated roles were stupid it's like whoever on the weapon design team was in charge of curated roles i was like do you play this game like what is this um um you know because the curated role on the wardens was terrible and it was like do you even play this game so that's another aspect of it too is like sometimes the curated roles didn't even make any sense um but if they kind of did like what you're saying where a curated role you know is what you're chasing and is what you want it is the preferred role I'm not saying don't do it I'm just saying I think there's a risk there I think there's a risk now what I would say you could do is you could have 
um, pristine drops. Let's call it a pristine drop. So there's a chance that when the gun drops, it's fully masterworked and it has a chance to come with an ornament already on it. So then you get that ornament, right? And pristine drops are really, really rare. So you get your god roll eventually on the hand cannon, but you still haven't gotten a pristine drop of the hand cannon. And when that pristine drop finally drops, you're like, oh dang, I don't really like the roll, but I'm going to dismantle this and I'm going to get that freaking ornament. That is awesome. That's spicy. And when you dismantle it, you get the currency uh, from it, right? That might be my evolution of curated rolls to protect against what I see as the static roll sickness where everybody gets tunnel vision only cares about the curated roll and you've created that binary loot pursuit experience again where as soon as you get the curated roll it, it's you're done it's over it's been it's been we, it, the matter has been settled we know what the best role is so I think a version of that I would call them pristine rolls and again the the, the the reason you'd want the pristine roll is it already comes fully masterworked and it has a chance or maybe it just automatically comes with like an ornament on it so you're like oh I got it oh my gosh and then you know or maybe the pristine rolls are more common and the pristine rolls roll with that extra mod slot and then they have a chance to have the ornament on them or something so when you get them you're like oh I got the god roll and it's a pristine why would you want a god roll pristine? Well, the god roll pristine has the extra mod slot. You know, it would be like an adept version of a raid weapon, kind of. There's some movement there. I think there's some movement there and some things they could do with that to get away from curated rolls. And again, curated rolls a lot of the times weren't even the best roll, so they didn't necessarily even make that much sense some of the time. Other than like, oh, it's fully masterwork. Thanks for the enhancement cores or whatever. Ashen, are there weapons still worth going for in the normal weapon loot pool or do you feel raid loot sort of dominates now I actually am happy that the raid loot's dominating at least my loadout um I uh I prefer that I prefer that that's how it should be I should not be wandering around Europa and being like oh check it out best in slot weapon yeah it's better than my raid loot um now that doesn't mean you put garbage in the rest of the game there are great guns on Europa and great perk combinations on Europa get that fusion rifle with one for all like get a good roll on the auto rifle you know get a good roll on that pulse rifle there are good weapons on Europa there are good weapons in the Wrathborn hunts so I'm not saying put trash in the rest of the game but I definitely feel like world loot needs a ceiling. It needs a quality ceiling. You have to put a quality ceiling on the world loot. It, it can have good to, to sort of great rolls. But then when I go into a raid or a dungeon or trials and I'm getting adept weapons in trials, maybe they start putting adept weapons in nightfalls. Um, man, those have got to stand out. They got to. Um, so y- what you do is, is you, you create a... You create a hierarchy that isn't too stark, but is also something that is detectable. And right now, I think they've landed. I want to see a little bit more on raid weapons. A little bit more. Like, me asking for a raid mod slot and raid mods in a hard mode, that doesn't mean jack squat to you if you don't run raids. It doesn't. I'm asking for something raid contextual. 
It's, it's, it's contextual to the raid. I'm not asking for my hand cannon to explode a boss in one shot. I'm saying make it, make it feel a little bit more special. Ornaments, extra mod slot, raid mods. That's, that, you don't care about that unless you're raiding. So I think they've landed in a nice safe spot where it is detectable. I can, as a player, deduce the fact that the raid loot is better but it's not so much better that everything else is literal trash in comparison. Um, um, you know, that's I, I think I think that's my my conclusion on where they've landed. A little bit more, a little bit more. No gripes and complaints, but I do think the raid loot could go a little bit further. I think the armor's in a great spot, but the armor has no context to shine. We need a hard mode now more than ever. I think that might even be a video we need to make. We need hard mode raid big time especially if they roll out vog that would be a great time to do it because vog had a hard mode dadgummit you know techno do you think a hard mode should have exclusive loot like it did in wrath in d1 uh raid adepts come from challenges like in age of triumph lastly more broadly are there any d1 systems that you would like to see return to d2 you could either do a whole new loot pool for hard okay um and they have adept raid weapons. Now the challenge there is, I spent all my currency, got a god roll hand cannon. Now I got to do it again to get an adept version. Y- y- maybe, but hang on. What if every time you dismantled an adept raid weapon, you got an adept infusion core? And after you got enough of them, you got enough of the hand cannon ones, you could like take your god roll and turn it into an adept maybe something like that create an intrinsic system of protection where you're not necessarily having to re-grind for another god roll hand cannon that is also adept but if you get enough of the, the adept hand cannons you can break them down and you can turn your existing hand cannon into an adept or something um you're honoring the grind of hard mode but you're also creating a new loot grind where you could be like, oh my gosh, I did it. I actually got a god roll on the hand cannon. And it's also adept. And you swap it out or something like that. Um, you know, increase the currency as well. You know, um, you know, yeah, you could get the god roll adept or pull the normal one up. Exactly right. Exactly. But you'd want to stagger it. You'd want to require me to get like, I don't know, 10 adept hand cannons before I can turn my hand cannon into an adept. Like, make me work for it. Again, if you're going to have a hard mode, it needs to be, it needs to have more to it, more loot, and 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 in a way that doesn't completely invalidate everything you've done up to this point. I don't want to get all this amazing loot in normal and then go into hard mode and be like, everything I got in normal is invalidated. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think you want to do that. I think that would be, um, that would be a mistake. Um, so aren't god rolls kind of subjective i mean that's not really a part of the discussion your god roll what you've determined to be the god roll having to get it again and have it be adept would be um i think in some respects that would be invalidating you know you spent three weeks grinding for that god roll hand cannon you just really wanted rapid fire demo that's you just you just had to have it i don't even know if that's a possible role and you finally get it and then you go into hard mode and if you want an adept version of that gun you're like here we go again why do I even bother 
somebody might say, well, you would have bothered because that gun should be stronger in the raid and have that mod slot you talked about, Lono. So then you take that into hard mode and you're glad you have that gun. Yeah, maybe. Right, maybe. Poet Anderson. Lono, do you think that because of sunsetting, the raid should fill in the missing archetypes of weapons? Example, the kinetic slug and rapid fire energy scout both only come from the raid. Um... I mean, to a certain extent, I think archetypal vacancies is a bigger subject than I really want to go down I- into right now. Um, I Personally, I think that by the end of this year, there shouldn't be any archetypal vacancies. I'm not going to tell them that they should have filled in every vacancy in one expansion. I think that's a little unreasonable, although I do want to look at them and say, now, hey, I'm watching you guys. You sunset two and a half years worth of loot and you didn't add that much uh what are you doing and hopefully they were smart about this so as the spring summer and winter seasons hit we see those vacancies filled um i should be sitting in the summer and able to look at you guys and say they they filled in a lot of the vacancies they did a good job and what should happen if anybody at the company has a dadgum brain in their head whenever i go into witch queen all of the vacancies that are being sunset should be determining what loot is in the game new so if i'm like hey my 180 hand cannon that i love so much just got sunset and the season that it gets sunset in there's a new 180 hand cannon to chase like there should always be this soft bruise on your loadout or they're like bam and you're like ah man i love this gun in the end game and it just got sunset and then in comes the season loot pool on a steed to say have no fear we have a new 180 for you like that's how it should work there should always be by the end of this year four they they should they should always have this idea that here's all the vacancies have been filled and as as vacancies are created from sunsetting we fill those vacancies with new loot that's 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 how it should work i shouldn't be sitting on four 180s and then no viable 120s like that shouldn't happen it shouldn't be that difficult to look at their like this isn't a slam but the loot pool in destiny ain't that deep and it ain't that vast it shouldn't be that difficult for bungie's weapons team to say this season we're not going to have any viable end game 120s we need to add one nobody should turn around and be like oops oh my gosh there's seven 180 hand cannons and not a single 120 or 140 that's that's end game infusible that shouldn't happen. If that happens, then somebody somewhere is being dumb and not paying attention. It's as simple as that. Like, it shouldn't be that hard for them to look at their database and see, like, after we're leaving the summer season, they should have a very firm grasp on what vacancies need to be filled, and every season should be serving that purpose and that aim. They should have a nice zoomed out look at the loot pool to say, in the summer of uh, of 2022, there will be a vacancy of uh, rapid fire shotguns. We need that vacancy filled. Um, You know, because truth be told, 
I don't need in a given season three different 180s to chase. Give me a 180 to chase, and then I can go for the role that I think is best suited for it, and then I've got my 180. Like, I think that's okay. If the quality is there, we don't necessarily need the quantity. If you give me a really good 180 to chase, what good does it do me to add, well, we got a 180 in the Vanguard playlist, it's crap and has a terrible perk pool, and we threw a 180 in the World Loot Pool with no intentional way to grind for it, and it also is crap. That's needless. I don't need you to add extra 180s just for the freaking sake of it. Like, it's okay to have one 180 that I can chase right now that has really good uh, quality, as opposed to throwing a bunch of weapons at me that I don't touch. You know, like when they updated all the vendors in King in the Taken King, and then you went to New Monarchy, and you're like, all of these guns are terrible. Well, I'm never going to use a single one of these dadgum things. Well, those weapons were pointless at that point. Other than people that didn't pay attention to loot quality gun rolls or gun perk pools, and they just thought that they looked cool. Like, I'm sure those people were happy and good for them, but I'm I'm of the notion that it's okay to add less loot if the loot is worth it. They just need to focus on in year four for the duration of this year and the following seasons that are in front of us. They need to be filling in those vacancies or it's going to be really, really weird. You're going to have this top-heavy, topsy-turvy loot pool where you're like, I don't need another 180, man. I want a really, really good energy 140 or whatever's, you know, whatever ends up being uh, missing. So, this is why I think if they went to primary, secondary, and heavy and threw an elemental burn on every primary and allowed me to change it for a significant cost, just like you change the affinity on armor, you wouldn't have this problem. I could fill in the vacancies for myself. Hey, I got a god roll of the raid hand cannon and it's arc. Now I'm going to chase one and I'm going to switch it to void. And now I'm going to chase one and I'm going to switch it to solar. People are like, oh no, my vault. Eh, well, if they use collections properly, you won't have to worry about your vault. Um, I, They would free themselves up so much from this archetypal vacancy problem if they just did that, but I'll probably never get my way. Ashen Hollow. Legendary Lost Sectors have finally given me a place to go test my weapons. However, do they need to be more generous when it comes to the material drop rate to create a subtext grind, essentially? Um, you gotta be careful with this. Uh, you got the material grind in the in, in the Nightfalls, and if you put that material grind somewhere else and it's easier to do, you're undercutting Nightfalls. Now, is that a good enough reason to run Nightfalls? No, I think there should be a loot incentive to run Nightfalls. Um, and if they do that, then I think you can get your way. What you're doing is you're creating two endgame funnels, and they both have similarities. They both have a loot trophy and a material subtext, and I think that's okay. Currently, um, Legendary Lost Sectors don't just give you a loot trophy, they give you a directional loot trophy. So I'm okay with, for the time being, not having this huge material dump from a legendary lost sector because they're giving you control over what drops being able to thin down the exotic pool is uh i i you can't you can't understate that i think that's a really really big benefit to the player and you're trading a low material turnover rate for that you want the better material turnover rate cool go into nightfalls where the exotic loot pool is much bigger it's all of the armor does, does that does that make sense like you're trading one for the other and i think that that's fine Uh, at the present time, that's fine. I would like to see Grandmasters given more loot, and maybe that'll come with the Adept weapons. And maybe once they do that, they could say, okay, well now, you know, 
we could we could see maybe giving a little bit more material love to the uh, you know to the to the lost sectors. You can't use collections to support the vault for random rolls. You're thinking of them as if they're actual physical spaces. Uh, yes, you could. You would be they would be data points. So I would go to the kindled orchid and I would say store this roll. And it's not actually physically there. It's only storing the data points of accurized rounds, um, you know, rampage kill clip. It's just storing those data points. And if I ever go and ask for that weapon, my data points spit out that role. It's, I am not an expert. I'm not a developer, but I'm pretty sure you can let me store data points. It's not the actual weapon that is physically there. It doesn't exist. It's not, I'm not able to grab it and use it. I have to basically say, give it to me. And it costs, it costs currency or whatever. And it's a stored data point at that point in time. Now that means you can only store one, right? Um, the data storage necessary for all the various roles is the same if it is in the vault or the collection. That's not necessarily true. The way that weapons exist in this game, that's why they have to put a cap on your vault. So if you were correct, they wouldn't need to put a cap on your vault. The cap on the vault and how they've talked about how they have to limit that makes your assertion incorrect. So it's it's not the same. Storing the data point of the roll in the vault in the collections, but the gun is not actually there and equipable is not the same as the way the vault functions. This is directly from Bungie anytime they've talked about limiting our vault space. So that's that to me is a solution that I think that they should experiment with or try. And then if they did that, then you wouldn't need to worry about your freaking vault. You could just store all your God rolls and delete them. And truth be told, you're never going to pull that dadgum kindled orchid out again. Anyway, you know, you just, you just aren't, um, it has almost nowhere you, you can, you can, you can use that. So, um, and as Eugene is saying, there's like 3,500 weapons in collections and there's like 500 vault space. So the storage and the way that it's read is completely and utterly different. You just have to make it a read, uh, a read write database where I can change the data points in my collection so that my kindled orchid shows different perks. Um, so, uh, collections has no random rolls for that reason. Right. But a collection can spit out a static roll. You just have to give me the ability to say this is the static roll value of the kindled orchid. This is my role that I'm storing here. You have to make the the database one that I can change the point the data the data the data points on. Um, the random rolls creates hundreds of thousands of possible combinations. Yep, I'm well aware of that. And I would go to the kindled orchid and simply say, save these data points. I'm not it's 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 not storing it. It's it's changing what the data points are for the kindled orchid in my uh, in my uh, collections. That's the same as storing them in the vault. No it is not. Again, Bungie has made that very clear that limiting what you can store in the vault is because they're actually equipable and they exist in the game at that moment. The collections, even when the collections was introduced with just static rolls, had way more weapons than you could store in the vault. Again, disproving your assertion that that's how the vault works. You're incorrect at at multiple levels. If, If they would have always been able to give us endless storage in the vault, then collections wouldn't have been able then does that make sense when they introduce collections 
all those static rolls were greater than what you could store in the vault, which makes your in, 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 your assertion incorrect. Um, they've always said they had to cap how much we can store because the item actually exists. They also are equipable. No, again, you're you're wrong. You you're 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 you couldn't be more wrong about this. The guns in the collections do not exist in the game right now, but I can go have it spit out a mananan if I want. And then the gun exists in the game and is equipable. The entire way the raid, the, the, the way the raid, the, the way the game reads those weapons, it's different in collections in your vault. It's not the same. It just, it just isn't. It doesn't. It, it's not there. I don't have a Mananan right now. Um, so they can't give endless storage in the vault. They also can't give endless storage in collection. From a data standpoint, it's the same. I work on databases. So now we're in fallacy of the expert because you've been wrong at three different points, so I'm supposed to say you're right because you work on databases. Smashville Viking. Why do we keep doing the same things over and over again? New week, run this mission, go back to where we've already been. It's a constant loop. That's the game you're playing. Uh, if you don't like content loops, you don't like video games. I mean, especially games that aren't linear. Um, if it's not a linear single-player game, this is the way um, this is the way that it works. I've not been wrong on any of it. Yes, you have. Uh, the way you described the collections as being equipable, wrong. The way you described the way that they have to limit our vault space, wrong. The way that you described how collections have a limit, that they, they clearly isn't a limit. They haven't even moved greens and blues out. They, you've been wrong at every turn. Um so you can pull out the database card you work on databases all you want you made at least three assertions that were provably false from Bungie's own description of why they have to limit vault space and why they immediately gave us way more in collections than they ever gave us in the vault uh, because of the fact that they are in the game and they exist and are equipable at that moment so you've made at least three false assertions and then you ran to the Alamo of I work on databases uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's that is what Destiny is. Destiny is a content loop. Uh, you're going to rerun content. You're going, uh, you're going to rerun strikes. You're going to rerun missions. Um, so that's the way it's always been. It's because collections are standard roles. Yes, and at the time that they introduced collections, they were still limiting our vault space. When Destiny 2 landed, they weren't like, hey, because everything's a standard static role, because everything's a standard static role, we don't have to limit your vault space anymore. No, because when it's in your vault, it's in the game world, it's equipable at that moment. The, the actual collections functions differently. The collections is a data as a data point that spits the weapon out into existence. The vault and the collections are completely separate in how they function and they work. You, again, you just keep asserting things that aren't true. Uh... Smashville. Sorry, I had another one. Do you think that we will ever get strike-specific loot like D1? Strike-specific loot don't doesn't necessarily work in Destiny because I actually think you want strike playlist-specific loot. So you're in the playlist, and there's a chance for it to drop. Now we got the shotgun, but that's not enough. That's that that that's that's not enough. The 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 way the way that the shotgun gets delivered. They, there needs to be some intentionality about it and there needs to be more. One shotgun and then one grenade launcher and gambit and then one pulse rifle and crucible just isn't enough. Now, if they do one every season, cool. What are we going to do in three seasons when there's, there's three potential drops in those playlists and I have zero intentionality uh, over, over, over how it works? 
I promise you that's not true. Wherever you store it, it's the same amount of data. Again, you're wrong. They've done uh, they've done commentary on this. Uh, developers from Bungie have talked about why they have to limit your vault space because those weapons actually are in the game at that moment and taking up uh, space differently than they do in the collections. Again, you don't work for Bungie. You don't know how the system works. So you're stating things that are false. Gillian the Mist. What do you think of the only raid mod slot only being on the raid armor? It seems to be the exact opposite of what Bungie used to say and that you have to wear the raid armor if you want to use the raid mods. I, this, I don't know. Waits for None says, Collections is most likely a single database with user-level metadata right now. So, it is everything possible that can drop in the game and its accessibility in the UI is based on your character's data. Locking a random to a static role would only be an increase on that metadata, not its own database. Your character gear and vault is separate database that includes things like stat tracking, mods, masterworking, and shaders. Right. So are you... Waits for done is saying that's totally doable. They can make you lock a physical weapon into the slot. Example, you dismantle the roll you want in collections and then you can pull it out for a lower power. That's Yeah, that's exactly uh, what I've been describing. So... Um, so yeah, you're storing the data point. You're not storing the weapon. It's, it's, it's separate than the way that it's stored in collections because in collections, the way they describe it is it's in, it's actually physical, almost like physically in the game. So all I'm doing is saying I would modify my metadata and say my kindled orchid in collections are these data points. It's not in the game. It isn't. I can't equip it. It's not. It's 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 just a data point on a screen. When the Kindled Orchid's in my vault, it is not tracked or stored in the same way. This is why this is why you can move loot uh, with a third party API. Um, so, yeah, th- this is a weird decision. Gillian the Mist. What he's what he's highlighting here is the reason they moved away from intrinsic perks on armor. Uh, and 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 guns is they didn't want you to feel like you have to run the raid armor in the raid to get the benefits but they've done that I'm not against it by the way right I, I'm not against this I actually think it's great to say nope the way that the armor works is if you want the raid armor you got to get the you, uh, you want the raid mod you got to get the raid armor the reason I'm okay with this and the reason they probably changed their philosophy a little bit on this Gilly is the ornament system and incoming transmog because you can get the raid armor get the stats you want and their sunsetting armor so there's always a need to get new armor anyway you get the new armor it's raid armor it's awesome you get the good stats and then you can make it look however you want right I it, it, it that I think that's probably why um that's probably why they've slightly changed their philosophy on it because they've given you um, a an appearance freedom that you didn't have before. You know what I mean? So that that's that's why I think I'm 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 okay with them with with this change because if you don't like the way this raid armor looks, all you really got to do is get the stats that you want. Get the stats that you want, and then you're good to go. So. Why grind for raid armor if it's not just better? Right, because at that point, it's just homogenized with whatever armor you have. It's just a difference of stats. You get the same stat rolls, and you're like, why would I wear this? 
you have a reason to wear it now and then you can ornament it to make it look how you want the ornament system I think gave them freedom in this particular topic and they just probably haven't vocalized that yet Gilly would be my guess I'm just guessing but that's how I uh, that's how I would look at it so don't go anywhere we're going to keep on talking uh, VIPs have a chance to call in after this segment if you're a VIP member on Patreon or here in the YouTube you can call in and speak with me about these things live on the air if you're listening to this elsewhere and you want to catch me live go to sntrlive.com if you want to take part in Q&A off stream hours go to sntrnetwork.com make a login and go to the community Q&A forum and you can interact with the community and myself there so be sure to go to sntrnetwork.com if you can't make these live streams as always if you're listening or watching in the other locations please like share and subscribe